Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Small Biz Gone Viral, a show for all the small business owners out there to listen and share in the very real impacts the pandemic is having on small businesses and the humans who run them. Media tends to portray the glitz and glam of the entrepreneurial lifestyle as this thing that always has a Cinderella story. But we all know that's not true, and on this show, we explore that truth with vulnerability, honesty, and transparency. Today on the show, we have Leah Iafornaro, a woman who gave up the stability and steady paycheck of the corporate world to pursue her passion, becoming an esthetician and starting a plant-based skincare brand called Sugar Skincare. I think it's safe to say a lot of people would say that's a very unsafe career move. But Leah will tell us what went into that decision and how even in spite of having a grand opening party the week the national emergency was declared, she still believes it was the right decision. That interview is coming up in four minutes, but first, some historical context and, of course, our fun fact. Yay! Today's fun fact is fun if you make less than $75,000 per year or are unemployed, or go to school, or work in local or state government, or frequent food banks, or rely on FEMA, or face housing insecurity, or have children, or a bunch of other situations. That is because the Democrats just passed along party lines a bill supported by 70% of the country, the $1.9 trillion financial recovery package, which includes $1,400 stimulus checks, $300 weekly unemployment assistance, and funding for a litany of groups negatively impacted by the pandemic. For more on where we are and where we might be headed, let's get to our weekly segment where we try to quantitatively measure what is going on in the world around us, facts and figures. $1.9 trillion is a lot of money, especially when coupled with previous aid packages now totaling $5.3 trillion. That's more than the GDP of all but two countries in the world, China and the U.S., a quick note for my fellow economic nerds and those worried about the potential for inflation. I recently listened to a fantastic podcast called Pitchfork Economics, which explained that there is no reason to be afraid of resulting inflation because the aid packages are exactly that. Aid packages. They're filling in the gaps, not adding to an already hot economy, and therefore no real danger of overheating the economy, and therefore no danger of inflation. A large contributing factor is unemployment, which, though has decreased five weeks, five weeks in a row now, still remains above 700,000 people filing new unemployment claims each and every week. National unemployment remains above 6%, nearly double the pre-pandemic levels. All this to say, when federal aid goes to these people, they are not spending lavishly in driving up inflation, they are spending it on essentials, food, rent, healthcare and enough to support commercial consumption. Europe is experiencing a third wave and lots of uncertainty as a major vaccine, AstraZeneca, was just put on hold due to concerns over side effects, though that is against WHO recommendations. Meanwhile, in the U.S., the effects of a national plan, major spending, and a concerted effort to secure and administer vaccines appears to be making an impact. The daily case rate is down 75% from just 12 weeks ago, the daily death rate is down by nearly half, and, this is a big one, active cases are down almost 16% just from last week. This is a big extrapolation, but 
If that kind of absolute decrease continued for six and a half weeks, there would be no more COVID in the U.S. That is obviously extremely optimistic, but days like this past Saturday, which saw four and a half million vaccine shots in one day, contributing to a daily average of more than 2.3 million vaccines being given every day, and 100 million now administered in total, the end could finally be near in the U.S. in the very best possible way. Though not surprising, the major stock market indices are all still in record territory, just like it seems they are every week. That was a lot of numbers. Let's see what all that means for our small business owner guest of the day, and let's get to our interview. My guest today is Leah Iafernaro, a holistic esthetician, Reiki practitioner, and the founder of Sugar Skincare a skincare and waxing spa, as well as a product line merging plant-based ingredients, along with scientific research to provide effective, natural products and services. Since facials and waxings weren't deemed essential, you can probably guess what kind of roller coaster this past year has been for Leah in just her first year of business. Leah, thanks so much for being here. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it is It is a little bit early. Uh, we have so, so much to get into, so we'll just dive right in here. Uh, let's start with exactly um, what is your multi-pronged business as it is today? Sure. So I currently, um, so I am a holistic esthetician and a Reiki practitioner, and I currently own a small skincare spa. Um, so we're located in La Mesa. Uh, it's myself and I have a partner. Uh, we are both in the space and we essentially provide skincare services, waxing services, uh, Reiki treatments. And I also have a plant-based uh, skincare product line that I produce. And I um, also sell here in the spa as well as online. And Although you do all of these things now that are all sort of interrelated, I believe that your background and kind of path to get to where you are now was somewhat indirect. Can, can you tell us about where, what, your, what your last job was and kind of how you decided to get into skincare? Yes. Um, so I'll try to keep it brief because it, it, it is a long path um, that led me to where I am now. Uh, so I'll kind of start with Whenever I was in school, I majored in business management. I knew that I wanted to own a business, but I wasn't exactly sure in what you know realm uh, or what specialty. So I, you know, I completed uh, my undergrad, got my business management degree, and right out of school, an old friend of mine uh, reached out, and she was working for this startup company. Uh, and just kind of invited me to come on board. I wasn't sure where I was going to go yet. So I, you know, I jumped on board with that. I joined a startup. We did social media management um, for brands, agencies, and, you know, just a whole abundance of different um, avenues. And whenever I come back to where we are, to where I am now, I realize how much that experience really helped me in doing social media management, especially now for my own business. Um, however, so I worked there for a couple of years. While I was working there, I also 
started to explore this love for natural skincare, plant-based ingredients, and I started to produce my own um, skincare products. So I would hand make body butters, body scrubs, lip balms, soaps, you know, all of those uh, things. I started in the body realm and uh, started selling at markets and kind of was working, you know, at the startup at the same time. So I thought it was going to just be a hobby. And it just ended up growing into something so much greater than a hobby for me as I attended more markets, uh, started interacting with people and realizing how much, you know, I love this, my client customers and clients love this. Um, it just began to grow. So eventually I, you know, after lots of thinking and planning, I decided to um, quit my job and I went back to school to become an esthetician. And then after receiving my esthetician license, uh, you know, entered the world of skincare and beauty and continued my, you know, separate education on formulation of products and like the chemistry of everything and just kind of went with it. Now, it, uh, my guess is that working for a startup kind of in the in the tech marketing space, that the money was probably decent. What was it like going from a good paying job into an industry that isn't necessarily famous for its high wages? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that was definitely a, a fear of mine. You know, I'm, I'm going to leave a, a solid career that I have um, and enter this really unstable world of entrepreneurship. Although I, I already felt like I was an entrepreneur. And another thing I, I hadn't mentioned is that I had a small cake business uh, while I was working there also. So I was a you know jack of all trades, just creating. I think that's ultimately what I am as a creator and I want to just create things and provide them. So um, anyways, entering the world of entrepreneurship is really scary and stable. You don't know what's going to happen and leaving that security it was tough. It was definitely tough, but I, I guess I just, my passion for it over, overtook the fear. Um, and I, I kind of just knew, you know, I, I don't, I wasn't aiming to just be an esthetician. I'm aiming to be a business owner. And as an esthetician, I understand you really can't make that much working for someone else, but owning your own business, having your own product line and being you know, kind of a complete business owner in this space, you definitely can make, you know, a really good living more than, than what I was making at my previous company. I love what you just said about eventually the passion overtook the fear. But I feel like mm -hmm. that, that really, that that's true for any entrepreneur who's getting started. And something that I've been sort of ruminating about over the, the past week, specifically, as I just launched a new business myself, is that when you work for somebody else, yes, you have the security, but uh, uh, the job security more so than obviously at least when, when you're starting a new business, there is a certain uh, a distance between you and your job, and that mm -hmm. and when you start your own business, it's it's so intimate and and sort of revealing and perhaps reflective of you. And so it can be nerve wracking starting something new and leaving that, that security, kind of that security blanket behind because as you're starting something new and you're, you're releasing it, you're publicizing it to friends and family, there's sort of this automatic layer of 
perhaps judgment or you know enthusiasm but basically the, the spotlight is is on you and it's your business and there's no one else to share that spotlight with definitely <laughs> it, whether it's blame whether it's uh, good things bad things whatever it's kind of all on you and it can it can be disconcerting especially when you're first getting started that was kind of long and meandering but did, did you feel similarly when you first started Definitely. Uh, you know, without, I try not to entertain too much of the, of the negativity, but without going too much into that, uh, I will say there was a lot of, there definitely was a lot of judgment, uh, particularly from family members and, and things of that sort that just kind of, uh, assumed, you know, you have a, a career, you can grow so much with this company. Like, what are you doing? You know, why are you, why are you going to take this huge jump whenever you have such a good, you're in such a good place? Because according to them, I was in such a good place, but according to me, I was not. <laughs> so uh, I definitely did feel that. I also, you're right. There's no space really between you and your business. Whenever you're a solopreneur, you and your business become one in the same. Um, the cake business I had before Sugar Skincare was called the Sugar Mama, which is actually how Sugar Skincare got its name. And to this day, I, you know, people call me the Sugar Mama. <laughs> it's it's like a joke, you know. But that's how that's how connected you are with your business is where you know people actually will call you by the business name or just everything you do. Any anywhere I go, you know, people want to talk about skincare, and I and I love it, but. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, there was definitely the negativity that came, but I'm good at blocking that. And also, yeah, it's like when I take this step, he here I am, my business and I, we are, we are one. <laughs> and to sort of build on what you just said there about the people will judge, hey, you're leaving the security behind and, and this good paying job behind to go do this new thing. It's, I think, very difficult to kind of put into words that what we are getting out of our jobs is not, it is more than just a paycheck. There's your mental well-being and your, your mental health and kind of all of the, the, the feeling of fulfillment that you take from having your own business. And so all of that contributes to the overall value of having your own business and the decision-making process that goes into decide that ultimately making that decision to take that 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 leap what i want to move into next was kind of just getting a sense of where your business was at the end of 2019 heading into 2020 sure so at the end of 2019 i technically didn't have a full business yet uh, we actually opened this spa in February of 2020. So at the end of 2019, I was I was already an esthetician, but I was working for a spa. Right out of my um, getting my esthetician license, I decided, you know, I didn't want to open a business right away. I needed to learn the ropes, and I, you know, I'm humble enough to know I'm brand new in this industry. I need to learn a lot more before I can go and open my own. Um, venture. So I was still working for the spa, you know, just getting a lot of experience and practice. Uh, I actually learned a lot from the business owner of that spa as well. And going into 2020, I, I did already have the plan of opening my own business. 
so I was kind of in that limbo between, you know, I'm getting ready to take another jump. You know, it was like a second jump. The first jump was leaving my, you know, career job. And then the second jump was going from being an esthetician to, okay, I'm actually going to 100% go into self-employment and take on the risks and the rewards of everything that's coming. Right. And what I want our, our listeners to note here is that you had no business revenue in 2019 for sugar skincare because that plays into your availability down the line which we'll get into uh, or your eligibility i should say for uh, for government support during the pandemic but we will get to that later yes and yes so i did have i did have some business revenue for my product side of the business but right. it was it was not really enough yet and i did not have a you know brick and mortar location yet right right thank you for clarifying that so heading into 2020 what were your hopes, dreams, uh, revenue goals, et cetera, for sugar skincare? Like what, what would a good year have looked like? So I definitely went into 2020, uh, opening this business with, I guess with obviously with expectations, but also knowing this is my first year in business and it's okay if I don't, you know, make a whole lot. Uh, but my main goal for the year, it was, it wasn't so much financial. It was more, um, growth. It was, I mean, which, yeah, we'll get there. We, I did grow, but, um, the goal was growth. I wanted to establish myself as, you know, sugar skincare, the actual spa and product line. I wanted to grow my product line, add more uh, products to it. And I just really wanted to kind of meet new clients, grow my clientele, um, you know, have events. I wanted to have events here for the, you know, different holidays. And oh, I remember events. Summer kickoff. I know, like, I, I had so many visions for that. And my partner also, uh, you know, she's a makeup artist. And we thought, oh, we can do like makeup events and all kinds of uh, just fun, fun activities because it's my business. I can do whatever I want to do with it. Um, and, and, and looking yeah. or in the initial plan there, were you looking, I know you were, you were splitting rent with the makeup person. Yes. She's an okay. esthetician and a makeup artist. Okay. Makeup so artist we, and esthetician. Got it. Mm -hmm. And were you planning on doing any hiring? And then last question, if you feel, uh, like answering this, did you have sort of a, a revenue goal or any sort of, can, can you give us any metrics for what you were looking forward to for 2020? Yes. So. We, we weren't intending on hiring anyone this year because we, we signed a two-year lease at this space. And the goal is for us to be here for the two years. And then hopefully, at, so now we have one more year um, and we'll kind of go into that a little bit more. So I was looking at, you know, eventually hiring when we move. So for 2020, no, we didn't anticipate hiring any employees. It was just going to be the two of us. Um, as far as revenue goals. I didn't have an actual number, but what I, what I'll say is that my goal was to surpass what I made in my previous company. So that would have been, or at least meet it because that would have justified to me, like I can do this and I don't need to work for someone. That would have showed um, all, the, all, 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 those, the all the naysayers, all the haters. <laughs> yep. 
let all the naysayers know, like, I don't, I didn't need to be in that position. You know, I can make just as much and eventually a lot more money as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, doing what I love and receiving all of the fulfillment from my career, from my job um, at the same time. Well, I think that's a good place to kind of put a pin in it briefly, get to our unsponsor, and then we'll we'll come back into our, our mid-COVID segment and talk all about how, well, talk about what, what actually happened versus mm-hmm. reality versus expectations. So it's time now for our unsponsor, which is an awesome company producing an awesome product run by awesome people. They don't know they get this shout out but they deserve one anyway. So Leah, tell us who is today's show not brought to us by? Okay, today's show is not brought to us by Paru Tea Bar and they are in Point Loma, California. Um, It's such a cute little tea shop and it's owned uh, by two women. They're actually great friends of mine and I love their just their, their style, their teas, of course, uh, just kind of what they're doing and what they're bringing to the world of tea. My favorite tea by them, I have to tell you, it's the blue chamomile tea. It is not only delicious, it's a more of a sleepy time tea. So it has chamomile and lavender. Um, and it also has blue or butterfly pea powder, which is blue. And it gives the tea such a beautiful color. So uh, for those that know me, like blue is my favorite color, blue, teal, like all the shades. So it definitely is an aesthetic for me. <laughs> and their Instagram is at Paru Tea Bar. It's P-A-R-U-T-E-A-B-A-R and ParuTeaBar.com. All right. So I got to try their blue chamomile at ParuTeaBar.com. Yes. Yes. And you can buy it yourself um, and brew it at home, or you can go into the tea shop and they will prepare uh, a tea for you. Amazing. Time now to get into our mid-COVID segment, starting just about as always. Leah, what was the first memory, what is the first memory you have of the business impact of COVID? Oof. Okay, the first memory I have business related would have been our grand opening party. So we signed, we signed the lease February 15th, and we had our grand opening on March 7th. So um, if if we kind of rewind to March 2020, early March, which it's so crazy, because between early March and late March, we lived in a different, in a different world, you know, already, it was like, zero to hundred. So, uh, March 7th, nothing was technically shut down yet. Um, as far as I can remember, we weren't, we weren't necessarily shut down. Uh, I know we weren't, and I don't think anywhere else was maybe the schools had started. Um, however, it was kind of a weird space of, do we still have the grand opening party? You know, are we allowed to have an event? Should we have an event? You know, there's this virus. We don't know what's going around. Um, we don't want to host an event where it obviously spreads a virus. Um, we wanted to have food and drinks there. That posed another, you know, health concern. So we ended up, we did have the grand opening. It was very small. Uh, at that time, masks weren't a thing yet. So we, we weren't masked, but we did. I remember we had food and they were all, we had little individual um, like toothpicks and made sure everyone only touched what they got and, 
you know, didn't, we would pour your drink for you. And so we already had some of the kind of COVID restrictions in place without even right. knowing. As yeah. I'm putting myself back into the, you know, tra- back in time, I feel like you were actually ahead of the curve. I know you said you, we weren't wearing masks yet, but that's because nobody was. And yeah, really, no. there was like very little outbreak in San Diego at that time. So I feel like you were actually ahead of the curve, but c- continue. I, you know what, I, I do think we were, and a, uh, a huge part of that is in thanks to, um, my partner she's I'm more of the like kind of I mean I don't know how to I don't really know how to phrase it probably but she's she's kind of like the organized planner on the books and I'm like the let's just randomly do things <laughs> so I'm more of the free spirit <laughs> so a spontaneous spontaneous, spontaneous. whimsical <laughs> yes right make it up as you go along Yes, exactly. So I do have to thank her because she is like, we need to have, you know, we need to do this, this and that. And um, of course, I was on board with it. But uh, now that you mention it, I actually do agree. I think we were ahead of the game on that one. So you opened March 7th. To, uh, our grand opening. Grand so, opening. Yes. So basically yes. you had, uh, I want to say like six or seven days of being opened before a national emergency was declared. What I was think the, it, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask what what was that like on your on your psyche? You know, because obviously you'd you had put in these months of preparation and you'd made this big decision to not only leave the, you know, the 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 good paying initial job to go to esthetician school, got that certificate, gotten the, the work experience, ready to put all of that, that business, um, you know, those business classes and that experience all into one single entity. And then one weekend, oh, national emergency. What, what was going through your head? Oh, man, I, I'm like kind of laughing about it now. It was not funny at the time. Um, kind of laugh I, crying. <laughs> but yeah, you gotta, you gotta laugh, uh, cry later. So I, I think, yeah, so March 7th, we actually closed on March 21st. So yeah, a solid, solid two weeks of being open and uh, with all of our hopes and dreams. So I definitely think that the effect on my psyche was, I'm glad that this happened (laughs) to me where I'm at now in my life versus where I was maybe 10 years ago because of just my resilience. Um, uh, just in general in life, but it, it hit me, you know, it definitely hit me. It hit everyone. And it just felt kind of like a huge slap in the face. Like we, you know, we had all of these plans and, uh, just really wanted to hit the ground running and all of that, just a huge stop sign right in front of us. So it so felt you- disheartening this, you know, it was just, it was really tough. And when you closed on March 21st, I know there was somewhat of a roller coaster of openings and closings as we enter, as, as we rise and then fall between uh, between the different tiers and, the, and our color-coded system and what you're allowed to do. How long were you closed that first time? How long were you closed that first time? And, and then I want to get into what your revenue split was between the products and the services. But But... Start with the first one. Yes. Okay. So the first one was the longest closure, of course, and we were closed until the end of June. So solid, solid three months. Um, 
So three months and let's see into June. So for me with my business that had been around for seven ish years at that point, at the end of June, we had already, we were, we were finishing our, uh, like eight weeks of PPP money, the, the paycheck protection program, which mm -hmm. was 2.5 times the average monthly, uh, payroll that we had. So it was a good chunk of change that we got. It was based off of 2.5 times what we had paid out on average in the previous quarter, which was 2019. You didn't have a brick and mortar. You didn't, you, revenues were, were pretty minimal at that point because you were a salaried employee elsewhere. So what was, what, what was that like for you? Again, not having that government support, like, did you feel cheated? Did you, you know, uh, I don't think that um, landlords were being encouraged to like give, you know, a month or two of rent at that point yet. So what so you're basically, you're paying rent, but you're not allowed to be open. How did that feel? Oof, it felt, yeah, I think cheated <laughs> definitely can define uh, how it felt. So it was, it was, it was really hard because whenever it, I mean, of course, when it first happened, we had so many conflicting uh, viewpoints and beliefs about when we were going to reopen. So, you know, in March, I had no idea it was going to be three months and none of us did. We thought, okay, maybe a few weeks, you know, we just need to get this thing under control and then we're going to be able to reopen. And then of course, we also thought when we reopen, then we'll be reopened. We didn't know what journey we were about to impart on. So uh, it, it was really hard and not receiving any aid, uh, it, it kind of leaves you with the real sour taste in your mouth because you, especially someone like me, I've worked, you know, at that time I had been, you know, working and paying taxes for maybe 15 years. And I feel like, you know, I've, I've definitely done my fair share of kind of giving back to society and, um, you've paid into the pot. <laughs> I've paid but into the pot, yeah. But you don't get to, yeah, and, you don't get anything out of it. Yeah, I mean, unemployment's another story, but with with the PPP and all of the loans that were, and and also it's kind of, it's also frustrating that they were all loans. I know some of them were forgiven and this, this, and that, but it was all very regulated and, and specific. But for uh, a business like ours, we don't have any employees. We also don't have we the revenue from the last quarter of 2019. And we were pretty much just told sorry. And then we turned to our landlords and they almost uh, said, you know, the same thing. Sorry about it. <laughs> we have to pay, we have to pay our bills and, and you have to pay yours. And that's just kind of how it, that's how it kicked off. And, um, you know, we can talk about how I offset that and was still able to make things work, but yeah, just, just really yeah. another stop sign, <laughs> like stop sign, stop sign. <laughs> Well, please. Yeah. Let's, I mean, tell us how, how did you make that work? Yeah. Okay. So, um, when, when we first shut down, especially being in an industry where I had a lot of, of potential clients that were excited to come and see, you know, me and my partner, they wanted to book appointments. And so they were also really, you know, caught off guard and, and upset that, okay, now we also can't come and support you. We can't come and you know, try out your facial or whatever. Um, so the first thing that I did, and I think a lot of estheticians in our space quickly learned that having a product side of your business is, is super important. 
um, is I started to create at home, uh, at home, like self-care or at home facial kits so that, you know, my clients would be able to receive some sort of, you know, self-care package similar to what they would get, obviously not the same when you're doing it to your, on yourself, um, but they would be able to get a piece of that experience at home. And, you know, we made them really nice, gave them samples of all the products that we would use in a facial and sent them with dis- um, instructions. I did a lot also of um, just local deliveries in the beginning because I wasn't working. So I just decided I'm going to drive all over San Diego and whoever wants to order these self-care uh, boxes, I'll just hand deliver them. So I hand delivered a lot, of course, out of state, out of city, um, shipped them. And that was a huge, I mean, a huge reason why I was able to offset not being open. And if you can remember back to your plans for 2020, did you see the product side of your business being a big percentage of your overall business revenue? To be honest, not entirely. I I did feel at that point that the services and the spa side of my business were going to be, I mean, I would say maybe like 70, 30. I thought I would be in here doing services the whole time. And then of course, you know, clients need home care and they need things to, um, to take care of their own skin while they're between appointments. But I, I definitely saw it as being a supplemental part of it and not the primary focus. And that definitely shifted. And the products became really the the star of the show and the sole focus of my business. Right. It went from 70-30 to 0-100. <laughs> yes. Uh, yep. So I know there was sort of a, a roller coaster of, of openings and closings. Um, I guess walk us through kind of the timeline of summer into fall, e- even into you know, the, the fourth quarter of the year, as far as the openings and closings went and how that was for you making those adjustments. So when we reopened in June, I think again, we had this idea of, okay, we're, we're reopened now. Uh, I do think that at that time, I, myself and, and many of us, we kind of knew it may be short lived, but we were hoping for the best, you know? hoping that we were going to be able to open for good. So I think we were open maybe for three weeks when we opened in June and then we closed again so you were closed <laughs> right for, around July. You were closed for three or four months and yeah. then you got, you got to open for three weeks. For three weeks, exactly. And then shut down again. And then from that point on, it was, I want to say it was every other month. I, you know, I, I think it was, we closed down in July again, then we reopened in August. I think we closed in August at the end, reopened in September, closed October, opened November, closed December. It was like every other, every other month. And then, you know, not moving too much into 2021, but the official uh, reopen, the current reopen was at the end of January. That is incredible so. <laughs> and just must be such like not only a, a financial roller coaster, but a, an emotional roller coaster as well. Oh, oh yeah. I, it's, 
Or are you just numb to it at this point? I honestly, I, I think I'm, uh, some days I'm numb to it and some days I'm just like losing it. And I, I'm like, I just want to work. I just want to work. Like I spent my whole life working, working, doing things that I, you know, didn't entirely want to do. And now I'm finally doing what I love and I can't do it. And I want to do it. I want to work. So, um, that was, you know, back to like the very, very beginning, of course we had just opened, put in so much work and I was like, Oh, you know, it might be nice to have like a little two week break, but now I'm like, no, no more breaks. I don't need any breaks. I need to work. (laughs) So, uh, it's been an emotional roller coaster. It's also been really tough because I, I was able to receive some unemployment, but filling out unemployment forms when you're like not working, working back and forth. And then they, you know, you tell them, okay, I'm working again. Then you stop getting unemployment. Then you get closed again. And you're like, okay, I, I really don't want to receive unemployment. I just want to work, but it's a roller coaster. It definitely is. Right. And that's difficult too, because as you're trying to take care of your own personal finances, and then of course, pay rent at your business, whenever you restart unemployment, there's going to be some lag time in between when you fill out the forms and when you start receiving funding or, 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 you know, a, a bi-weekly paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so that's got to be difficult as you're trying to plan out, Hey, ha- what is my money coming in versus money going out? Yeah, it's, it, it's very messy. It's very messy. The finances are all over the place. I'm actually in the process of doing my taxes right now for last year. And I'm, it's, it's just so, it's so crazy and so messy. Just one more thing, <laughs> one more stressor to add to the list. Yep. Uh, I, I have a, a couple of uh, of questions. They're they're Kaylin's questions. Our our researcher. Okay. So one, she wanted to know that do you find that through through all of the stresses and kind of unknowns of the pandemic, are people starting to spend more time to take better care of themselves and their body through skincare, or are they generally letting themselves go because that they don't have to go out question. out in public? <laughs> That's a, that's actually a fantastic question, um, Kaylin. So it is actually um, the former. So people are starting to take better care of themselves uh, and not just in the sense of coming to get a facial, they're actually starting to take better care of themselves at home. Uh, they're actually wanting to have a routine. And I think that this year it's last year and this year, are all about that switch in in the skincare realm of like, okay, I have to do these four things before I go to bed. It's switching from that mentality to it's, I get to do these four things before I go to bed. It's an experience. So people are starting to look at taking care of their skin as a whole experience before, you know, before they go to bed or before they start their day in the morning. And I love that because that's, that's what I'm all about. Um, during the pandemic, whenever we were open and closed, you know, whenever clients would come in to see me, it was, it was truly an experience for them, a chance for them to get out of the house, do something for themselves. You know, they're, they're at home, they're taking care of their kids. They're, uh, you know, working from home, not leaving the house, just getting like that cabin fever and being able to go somewhere and, and have a really relaxing self-care experience was major. And they want to bring that home as well. How do you feel that, um, how, how is the service part? So that the facials of your business been doing during the pandemic and how do you expect that to change post COVID? Uh, okay. So when we're, 
the, the facials themselves, now that we are reopened, are, you know, I'm, I'm booked. I'm, people are coming in, they're taking care of themselves, they're getting facials. I also do eyebrow waxing and some lash services. So I'm definitely booked and people are coming in. It looks a little different though than it did pre-COVID, of course. So, you know, we have all of the COVID restrictions in place. Um, I have a, a COVID form that they have to fill out before they come in. Uh, we take temperatures. Uh, I wear a lot more gloves now than I used to, uh, being a very, you know, hands-on practitioner and esthetician. It's, it's a little different now. I'm wearing gloves for most of the service, which we would wear them before during certain parts, but now it's like the whole thing. Um, wearing a mask and, you know, the steam and the mask and kind of having all of that. So it looks a lot different, but I'm trying my best. And I, I think that we're doing a pretty good job at making sure that the client doesn't even notice that it's so different. They're still going to get that same experience. Um, so, so yeah, people are coming in. It looks a little bit different, but it's still, it's still a great experience. And, you know, also with the Reiki component of it, I've been doing a lot more Reiki facials. So infusing just kind of some energy work and healing into that facial. So it's not just for the skin, but it's a whole holistic, you know, mind, body, soul um, experience. And one thing that I, I wanted to talk about that I, I, I almost forgot about was obviously a huge personal component to all of this is you have a school age child who during all of this was to be homeschooled. So how was mm -hmm. that? Like <laughs> speaking of adding stressors to the list, uh, it's, you know, it's a loved stressor, but a stressor nonetheless, as you are expecting to heading into 2020, what you're expecting is kid goes to school, you go to work mm -hmm. at the end of the day, everyone comes home. That's your family time. And instead, very, very different. So oh, yeah. uh, I guess kind of um, can you share with me your your experience there of of how that was impacting your business and personal life and time balance, et cetera? Yeah, I I feel like what happened is that pre-COVID, you know, we had these separate boxes for, you know, work and home and school and children and everything was kind of separated into their time slots. And then you, like you said, you came home at the end of the day and now it's like, life is just one big mixed jumble of everything. <laughs> you know, I'm on, I'm on calls, I'm on consultation, uh, I'm packing orders. My son, he is going to be 12 next month. So he's in the sixth grade. And, you know, he's in his room uh, on school calls and we're all like yelling at each other through the different rooms to, hey, I can't hear closing doors. So it that's the biggest thing is everything just became one, just like jumbled into one. Um, I think that is the best. That, that is like <laughs> such an accurate, succinct way of putting it. We all had our clean cut boxes before. And now it's like we just took all of our, our nice, clean, orderly boxes. Uh, packed boxes and just dump them all into one giant uh, mega box where it's like yes. where you have to like rummage through everything to find whatever it is you want because it's all just intertwined now mm -hmm. um so yeah it's tough I again in this aspect too you know if this happened to me 10 years ago when my son was two it would have looked very different and been 
I think way more challenging. I'm very grateful that he is at least, you know, old enough to be very uh, self-driven and, and self-motivated and make himself w- a PBJ. I mean, you know, I still make the breakfast and lunch and all that, but he, he can. Uh, but as far as, you know, I don't have to force him to wake up in the morning. He's really good with that. He wakes up, he starts school, he does his homework. Like I'm, I'm lucky in that sense, but it is something where I have to obviously manage and make sure that he's not on his phone while he's, you know, on a zoom call, make sure that he's not just doing his homework, but that he's doing it well and accurately. Um, and that he's, you know, got everything taken care of before he moves from one computer screen to the video game screen, <laughs> which has been a challenge as well. Just moving from uh, being at school all day to, OK, when he comes home, he can have an hour of video games and now managing the fact that he's in front of a screen all day. And I'm trying to get him to make sure that he's going outside as well. So yeah. and also he was in baseball. That's a, that was a huge part of our life was little league. And that was kind of stripped away. So um, yeah, lots of, lots of changes and, and things that we had to, you know, maneuver through. Yeah. But, I can only imagine, especially missing out on little league. I mean, that's like such a, mm-hmm. such like a, a quintessential part of the, the growing up experience and you know, that, that like elementary school, middle school age where you're doing, you're having so much of your bonding experience outside of school, establishing those social skills. Uh, gosh, I mean, we can do a whole nother episode just on that, Yep. but I, I, I do want to move into kind of our, our post COVID set where we talk about kind of what your expectations are moving forward and how you see the, the disruption to your business, how you see those either staying or changing and kind of continuing to evolve, starting with, I know at one point you had a hundred percent of your revenue coming from products and 0% from services. Have you, is there a kind of a silver lining here that 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 the pandemic has provided maybe an opportunity to further um, create line extensions and additional products and kind of develop things that maybe you wouldn't have had before? Or am I am I grasping at straws here? No, you're you're not. There's definitely like like I said before. You know, I wanted growth this year, and I definitely got growth, just not in the and I say this year, you know, I mean, last year, I wanted growth, I definitely got growth, just uh, in a different, in a different light, in a different way. So I, at this point, I feel like it might be something where it's 50-50, where products will become 50% and services will be 50%. And what I'm looking to do uh, after we, you know, finish off this year, given that everything goes smoothly and we stay open and we can continue to grow. um, I would like to move into a bigger place where I can have uh, an actual like retail side of the business. So in the, in the front, you know, I have a receptionist, I'll hire an employee um, and have a retail space that has not just my products, but other products, you know, and other San Diego small businesses from candles to, you know, maybe some of Paruti there and have a retail space. Um, and then, you know, continue myself taking clients uh, until, you know, who knows, maybe I get to the point where I do end up hiring other estheticians, massage therapists, Reiki practitioners. I, I really want to see uh, the space grow. So I, I can see it being more of a 50-50 split down the road. So 
and, and 50-50, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that 50-50 is actually a good thing because I would assume as you're looking down the road, services, the service aspect will come back. But if you're getting up to 50-50, that means that you're, you are adding to the scale on the product side. Is that yes. right? Yes. So the services will, will come back and grow even more. I mean, my 70-30 before maybe was out of 100 and now my 50-50 will be out of 1,000. So, well, that would be amazing. <laughs> I thought you. Were I mean, you have you have to say like maybe out of two hundred, out of a thousand. <laughs> Shoot, yeah, let's ten x this thing. You got to ten x it. You got to look, you know, look to the to the future. Dream big. That's how you. Gotta, you yeah, think big, dream big. That's how you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that is. I, I can't think of a better way to end things. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. We'll see. I think we're, I think we're on the, I think we're on the uh, straight and narrow now, like everything's moving along. I mean, there's, there's so many factors that are going to keep coming into play and, and shifts that we'll have to make. But if anything, I have learned that, you know, going with the flow and just flowing with life is the best way to do it. And I feel, I feel for a lot of the businesses around me. Um, I've, I'm very involved in the, in the local um, small business community here in La Mesa and I've seen so much happen and I know that a lot of people weren't were not able to come back from this but I I think you know even for them maybe they are going to have to shift and maybe they'll open a, a new venture a new business so we just all have to be able to shift and and hopefully take the punches and keep going yeah well, I, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show and, and sharing with us your story. And if our listeners are interested, well, if they're in San Diego and they want to come check you out, how do they do that? And if they're not, um, and they prefer to have the, the home self-care kits delivered or are interested in your products, what's the best way to, to find out more and, and to support you? I have a website. So it is sugarskincare.com. Um, S-U-G-A, it's like sugar, but no R, and then skincare.com. And actually for both of those, you would visit my website. So on the website, I have all of my products. Um, I have some you know, information about local events. And then I also have a booking link where they can see my service menus and actually book an appointment as well. And I'm going to guess that based off of your previous job that you have some social media that people could follow as well. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, so all of my social media is under Sugar Skincare. Instagram is is just at Sugar Skincare, and Facebook is actually Sugar Skincare by Leah Fornaro. Leah Fornaro is a shortened version of my full name, which is Angelia Ia Fornaro. So it's just a easier, less of a mouthful. <laughs> I have a feeling people will start on on the Instagram first. Yes, at Sugar Skincare. Yeah. If, if they want, um, especially just like educational content, you know, inspiring content, product information, Instagram is where I put all of that. I do a lot of how to videos, uh, how to use my products, little hacks for using the products. So, uh, that's a great way once you have products or, or even if you're using your own, um, skincare line or any other skincare line, I'm, I'm very supportive of all of it. And I, I like to discuss like ingredients that are, are great for different skin concerns and things like that. Amazing. 
Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your story. And and I look forward to uh, seeing you continue to to be resilient and, and grow and, and thrive through all of this. So thank you, Leah. Thank you so much, Grant. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you to my guest, Leah of Sugar Skincare. If you want to see the future of skincare, check out SugarSkincare.com. That's S-U-G-A Skincare.com. Time now for my unsponsor, aka a small business doing everything right. They don't pay for a shout out and heck, they don't even know it's coming, but they deserve one. So today's show was not brought to you by GoodWave.co. Shout out to my old neighbor, Brad, who endeavors to create a wide variety of top quality soft top surfboards, making surfing accessible for all levels. Their wide variety of content serves as a tool to decrease barriers to entry to water sports so people can feel good, connect with the ocean and their body to feel inspired. Check them out at goodwave.co. Speaking of shopping small, check out smallbizgoneviral.com for a rapidly growing list of unsponsors and the small businesses run by our guests. There are now over 110 businesses listed that you have probably never heard of but guaranteed will be impressed by. So vote with your wallet for the world you want to live in and shop small. Thank you, Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates, for this theme song, Worldometer, NPR, Robinhood Snack, and Morning Brew Daily News emails, Statista, and my wonderful researcher, Kaylin Kwan. Someday this will all be over. Until then, fight the fatigue, social distance, and wear a mask. And get a shot if you can. From an office in North Pacific Beach, recorded and edited before and after work hours, I'm Grant LeBeau, and this is Small Biz Gone Viral. And we're back, as always, with our quick bonus lightning round. Today, we have four quick questions for Leah. Leah. Number one, what is your least favorite part about entrepreneurship? Ooh, my least favorite part would probably be the fact that the weight of everything um, all comes down on you. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's a good thing, but sometimes it's, it's not so good because if you're not sure of your decision, um, you don't really have anyone to bounce that idea off of or to share the responsibility in case it doesn't really go to plan. Um, so it's just all on you. Question number two, what are some common misconceptions about your business? I think the main misconception would be that I still make all of my products uh, by hand. So when I first started out, I was a, a purely handmade a skincare brand. However, since then, you know, I've grown and there are many skincare products, particularly, you know, those that are water-based that should not be handmade at home because they need to be, you know, sterile and have preservatives and things like that. So that's a big misconception is uh, I see whenever people are sharing or writing reviews, they'll say that, you know, Leah hand makes all of her products. And I, I definitely love obviously that they're sharing and I get the sent sentiment, um, However, I don't hand make everything. I do review everything. And before I put my name on it, it is, you know, fully tested and I have to make sure it's in line with my brand, but, but it's not actually handmade by me. Some are, but only a few. Right. Of course, as, as a business owner, who's wearing many hats, you probably don't have a ton of extra time to be hand making every single thing. And especially not as you're scaling up. 
Question no. number three, what's one way you have personally coped through the pandemic? The way that I have coped through the pandemic personally has really been getting out into nature and doing yoga. So particularly aerial yoga and hot yoga, those are my you know, two favorites. I do them at Tranquil Earth Yoga right here in La Mesa. Um, and just being able to do yoga and have an outlet has been really great for me. Um, you know, she had offerings online whenever everything was closed and then now we're back in studio. Uh, and that's been honestly a really, really huge part of how I've been able to keep my stress, you know, under control. So because we are a happy show, we'll end this, end this segment with one last question. What is your favorite part about being an entrepreneur? My favorite part about being an entrepreneur is definitely being able to just make decisions uh, for myself. I can make them on the fly, uh, knowing that they're going to benefit my work. I can choose exactly which services I will and will not offer. Um, and also being able to take vacation and not asking anyone for time off. I, I actually always joke about it. Like I asked myself and it was approved. <laughs> so it's a, it's a really, um, it's a really rewarding piece of life in general. So I just, I really do love being an entrepreneur. 